Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, thanks for listening to the Rescue One podcast. Uh, today, I have an awesome guest, uh, Rob Sweetman, former Navy SEAL, sleep scientist, private practice sleep coach, sleep science speaker, and founder of Sleep Genius and the nonprofit 62 Romeo. Um, this guy does all things sleep, and uh, I'm really excited to let him talk to us, if you're allowed to talk to us about all the new stuff you got going on. And um, Talk to us a little bit about how, uh, you know, you've ventured into this world and, and um, you know, where this can benefit first responders as well. So uh, excited to have you on, man. And uh, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks, brother. Uh, Rescue One podcast. What a great thing you're doing. It's an honor for me to be able to to be here in your presence and be somebody that you actually want to talk to. Um, what a great place to be in life. Uh, things weren't always that great for me. Uh, you know, being in the SEAL teams, you know, you go through BUDS training and you deal with a lot of different uh, adversity points. And then you make it in the SEAL teams, you think, boy, I've made it, right? But that's not exactly true. Um, it never gets any easier. We have a saying called the only easy day was yesterday. The reason why BUDS training is so difficult is because that's actually the job that you're going to do. So it never got easy. It never got warm. It never got dry. Uh, the job was always difficult. Not kidding, man. Um, and it, it gets it gets tiring after years of just being in the water at nighttime. Uh, but that's probably not the biggest stress. The biggest stress, I would say, is, is the op tempo. Um, there's a lot of probably too many stresses to go over in one podcast, but definitely mm-hmm. You know, what is the mission, right? Uh, we're asked to go over and take lives in countries with bad people. And then we turn around and come back and we have to sort through that mentally. Um, definitely traumatic brain injury, PTSD are, are rampant in the SEAL teams, uh, in all special forces and in all military. And what I've learned more recently is that it's a big deal in first response as well. And so I think that there's some some common points that we have together uh, in this journey, like navigating life and all its crazy facets. So I'm happy to go into to any of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I had uh, um, seen a little bit of your previous, you know, stuff with uh, other podcasts you've been on. Um, I saw you were on the podcast with, uh, what's his name, David Kane uh, on Fox mm. News. Um that was pretty right. cool. Will, um, Will Kane. Yeah. Will Kane. Yeah, not David Kane. He's and you just you talked a lot about your mission, and I saw that it starts to bleed over into first responders a lot. And we met at um, the uh, Brothers Helping Brothers Conference in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Um, yeah. I had followed you because I I had uh, I've been following Molly Eastman for a while. Um, love all the stuff that she does, and I know she had mentioned you guys, and you know she's working with you guys. And, you know, it all kind of starts to make it all started to kind of make sense to me that, um, you know, while a lot of people who aren't in um, the military or uh, work shift schedules or first responders have sleep issues, they do start to pop up and there is some similarity, but it gets pushed to an extreme level with um, people who are required to do it in 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 um, life life threatening situations, you know, and um 
you know, I, I, I forgot what podcast I was listening to, but you were talking about how you were staying up for uh, seven days, you know, during your training and that uh, you don't recommend people to train for that, you know, because it's so dangerous. But um, I wanted to know a lot of things about how sleep is going to affect first responders, but kind of wanted to start off a little bit about uh, what you're doing right now. Like, um, I know you, you um, have the Sleep Genius um business and you also run 62 Romeo, but where's, where's kind of, uh, your head at right now with both of those things and how did you get into that? Yeah. So I think I should back up a little bit and explain my why and then how I got to this obsession with sleep. And then I'll share with you all the things that I have going on. Um, anything sensitive I'll just leave out, but I don't think there's anything uh, that I can't tell you today. Um, so there I was in, at SEAL Team 7, and one of my buddies uh, who was actually younger than me because I went through BUDS at 29, I got to the SEAL Team at 30 years old, so I was older than everybody, uh, at least at my rank, right? This guy outranked me, but he was younger than me. He had more experience in the teams. He was a sniper. He was a medic. His father was a Navy SEAL, and basically just an all-around badass, right? You know what I mean? The, the ideal Navy SEAL. He's hitting all the check boxes. Um, hmm. For me, you know, I always wanted to go to sniper school because that is, you know, one of the sexiest schools that you can go to as a SEAL. Imagine like crawling through the forest, stalking someone, setting up your final firing position. You know, your your scope is doped in, your wind is measured, like everything is perfect and you make the shot. Right. What a sexy thing to uh, think about, <laughs> at least in special operations. I, I really don't even shoot guns or hunt or do anything crazy these days. Uh, I'm more of a hugger uh, than <laughs> than a commando <laughs> these days. But at that time, that was literally the pinnacle of what you could be as a Navy SEAL. You know, number one is kicking indoors. But then number two would be uh, sniper overwatch. Right getting into position on the top of the mountain, on the top of a building. And as um, the, you know, assault uh, develops, you get squirters out the side, pop, pop, pop. That's your job, right? Um, unfortunately, it works both ways. That's how we lost Charlie Keating, uh, an ISIS fighter, shot him in the rib cage uh, from another building across the street, another a Navy SEAL that we lost. So um, it's a dangerous game out there, right? And uh, this guy, my buddy, Ryan Larkin, was doing a good job at this. Um, but, you know, the traumas of multiple deployments and the cycles of just op tempo. And when I say op tempo, what I mean is operational tempo. I think in a firehouse that might be likened to the call volume, right? So the op tempo for us not only has to do with on the ground operations, kicking indoors, which that's why the Navy SEALs are the sexiest, because our number one directive is literally direct action, kicking open doors and eliminating terrorists on site, face to face, in person. Um, for example, like Green Beret, I think their number one directive is FID, which is foreign uh, internal defense. So winning the hearts and minds. Great job, right? Not quite as sexy, right? So, right. but. There's a toll and you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're doing the same thing, kicking open doors to save people. Right. So, you know, this takes a toll on you and the, the op tempo being that and 
we have a, a big logistical uh, issue, right? We've got to get men into country. So we've got aircraft, we've got different countries, we've got passports, we've got, hmm. let's not get into that, uh, identities. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're moving around. I, there was a quote that uh, an older team guy said at um, this banquet that I, I just spoke at the other night. And he said that, you know, I've been to 110 countries and only 10 of them knew I was there, right? Hmm. So anyways, um, it, it's it sounds like what a great, life right and of course i joined the seal teams because i wanted to be the best i wanted to to really like find out how far i could go as a young man i wanted to find out how far i could go uh am i a warrior do i have the ability to take a life am i like i always felt like this this deep connection with braveheart right i'm a patriot i love the united states i love america i love everything about freedom and democracy and i'm willing to give my life for that right but what happens after a career of doing this right after years and years of this constant op tempo we start to develop bad habits right like um i'm tired so i'm gonna get a rip it or a monster or a red bull or something like that um i have too much work or i don't have a choice i have a mission whatever so i can't go to sleep and so what I noticed was, um, you know, the military's approach to sleep and wakefulness is one pill to go to sleep and one pill to wake up. You mm -hmm. see that in special operations. You see that with, uh, with pilots. And, you know, if you take some form of, a, of meth and a type of pill so that you can stay awake while flying a jet that may win the war. All right. That's uh, that's acceptable collateral damage. If we can consider damaging your body as collateral damage. Right. Um, but what happens to the sailor or the aviator or the, the soldier after, um, they start these, these, uh, mechanisms for controlling the body and they become habits, right? Well, for Ryan, uh, multiple combat tours, you know, PTSD developing, maybe at the time we really didn't want to talk about that as much, uh, traumatic brain injury for sure. We're all seals a little known fact about seals is that they're experts in explosives right we're, we're doing breaching charges and shape charges and all types of charges all the time um and so when you blast um an explosive device some material you know whether it's uh c4 or simtech or b comp or whatever like that is going to mess you up right that can have micro tears in your heart micro tears or astroglial scarring in the brain it can cause traumatic brain injury it can cause a ton of different issues right and so what we saw with ryan larkin was that he was experiencing not only uh, the same damaging effects of being in the seal teams but he was also sucked into the bad habit of using stimulants to stay awake and using sedatives to go to bed um the last time we really had a chance to hang out was in Spain on a rotator and it was ambient and alcohol. That's, uh, that's the use, right? So, um, it wasn't very long before I started to see the, the cheese start to slip off the cracker, if you know what I mean. And I noticed different behavior and then one thing led to another. And in this situation of, of sleep deprivation, and lack of sleep due to the um, op tempo, the lack of sleep, 
the stimulants, the depressants. Um, one or two wrong turns and Ryan Larkin decided that it was time to take his life. And that's what he did. Uh, he hung himself in his dad's basement after being awake for five days. So this entire story revolves around the reality of work and how sleep impacts work. My opinion and what I observed was that as Ryan's sleep got worse, so did his mental health, so did his physical health. And then, of course, the, uh, the crescendo of sleep deprivation pushed him over the edge. Now, I mean, life is always going to give us challenges. We're always going to go through the valleys and face uh, things that we don't necessarily want to face, maybe we're afraid of. Uh, but, you know, God has a plan for us. And if we listen to that and we look for the lesson, uh, perhaps we can gain something out of that. But if you're sleep deprived and you're in a fragile mental state, those same pressures in life might push you over the edge. And so my approach to solving this problem, because that one hit me hard. Losing Ryan was a weird, just mind warping thing that occurred in my existence here. And I, I admit that it made me think about like, why would I, why should I live? You know, what's the purpose? Um, so my way of, of resolving that, my way of, of like making a really bad situation into something good was to look at how can I help guys like Ryan? Maybe I can't help Ryan. It's too late for him, but I'd like to help folks like him. And my, my thoughts were that sleep had a lot to do with this. And my question was, did sleep have anything to do with his mental health or is that in reverse? Uh, I felt like there's something having to do with sleep. Um, I began research at University of California, San Diego. I would hang out at the hospitals. I'd talk to sleep doctors. And what I found out was that, oh yeah, there's a huge connection between sleep health and mental health. Um, and unfortunately, uh, it became viscerally true with Ryan. So that's why I do what I'm doing. Uh, it's been seven years. I, I got the name last year, the Sleep Genius, when I helped out a SEAL team, uh, a cohort going through the 62 Romeo Sleep Program. Uh, and then another team guy, Jared Arnold, gave me the nickname Sleep Genius, and it just stuck. I like it. I mean, that's a uh, there's way worse nicknames to have out there, especially in the military. But <laughs> amen. Um, so, you know, and and that that story, I think, is um, it's it's intense. Um, and I've I've heard a similar story from guys in the fire service, and particularly yeah. when you, you know you go to these uh, departments. Um, that that have a very high call volume and, and these guys aren't sleeping at all maybe it's compounded by other things but um you know i've said it uh so i know my audience knows the effect on the brain that that sleep has and, and how it uh massive amounts of sleep deprivation change our brain structure it makes us more aggressive it makes us correct um, change emotionally and uh you know the parallel that i'm drawing between what you're saying and what what uh, the fire service has is when you said after a career of this, you know, what, what are we doing to ourselves? The, the difference I would say for the fire service is, you know, throughout a career, we have our operational periods are only 24 hours and then we're home for three days. You know, you guys might be on and deployed for months 
uh, months and months at a time. And so, you know, your, your effect on sleep is much more, um, I guess, like, like stretched out in an operational period. So when you have that, I mean, how does the military see, how does the military see sleep? Um, in that, in that aspect, like, I know you're saying, um, one pill to wake up, one pill to, uh, go to, to, you know, to go down, but, you know, is there any kind of, um, change or direction that, that they're taking to say like, Hey, this is, you know, this is something that we at least have to recover from. Like, what does recovery look like? And maybe just in the SEAL teams, but in the military as well. Yeah, that's a great question. So when I say a pill to go to sleep and a pill to wake up, that's the old way, right? That's the old way of doing business. Now I'll give the military credit, right? And the military is a huge machine. It's difficult to say one thing as a blanket statement across the entire military, but I will say that the military has improved greatly, right? They're, they are listening. It's beautiful people like Nita Shattuck, uh, who's the lead sleep researcher over at Naval Postgraduate School, basically the go-to sleep person for the Navy. And people like retired Captain John Cordell, um, his last uh, command duty was the skipper of the San Jacinto. These people put together something called the Circadian Watch Bill. And the Circadian Watch Bill was designed to give sailors a protected sleep period that is consistent every single day. And they're only allowed to ratchet every three weeks, right? So you get a chance to adjust to it. Vice, the old way was the five and dimes, which that watch uh, cycle was five hours on, 10 hours off. If you do the math, that's a 30 hour day. That is not a circadian day, right? That is a made up time period. The day is 24 hours, right? And our DNA is wired that way. Now, optimally, we wanna get sunlight during the day. That's really helpful. But in the event that you have to work during the nighttime, as long as you can get consistent sleep at the same time every day, you can maintain a pretty good level of health. And that's what Naval Postgraduate School discovered. Now, when I say um, Naval Postgraduate School, that is a university. The, Un the United States Navy is not a university. It's its own um, you know, chain of command. It has its own uh, mission. It has all its own budget and all these things. So these are two different entities, right? So while Naval Postgraduate School might want to do something, that doesn't mean that the Navy is going to do it. But what I'm saying is the Navy is starting to do it. They're starting to take on and adopt some of these uh, things that we've learned through science. So the reason why that's important is because there are beautiful people out there doing beautiful work surrounding sleep that can truly help the warfighter. And eventually we're going to be able to help first responders as well. Uh, and so I'm very hopeful that some of the things that we're working on, the government is going to accept. For example, SOCOM, which is Special Operations Command in Tampa, um, they just hosted a sleep forum. That's a big deal. That means that people are getting together and talking about the issue of sleep. Now, what I'm doing right now, I'll let you in on some slightly sensitive information, right? We are developing a state-of-the-art sleep pod that I, I won't tell you exactly what it's going to look like or how it's going to be deployed. But the point is, is that the warfighter can potentially get inside of this thing and have a ballistically protected Ballistic means protection from small arms fire, uh, from gunshot, from explosion, shrapnel, whatever. Ballistically protected 
chemical, radiological, biologically filtered air system, right? They're going to be able to get inside this protected sleep pod. So now Naval Postgraduate School is saying, hey, you need a protected sleep period on a 24-hour cycle. We're saying, hey, guess what? We're going to give you a protected sleep space, a physical space where you can actually get sleep in a controlled environment where you can feel safe, you have privacy, and oh, by the way, it might save your life, right? So yeah, man. So the military is now listening to us. They're finally listening. And guess what's going to happen? Now that we're all working together and collaborating like we should, right? The warfighter will get the, have the best chance at recovery, the best chance at mental health, physical health, and being 100% operationally effective when the duty calls. Not strung out because they're on a bad sleep period. You know the whole deal. Yeah, and you've mentioned this before. Dream sleep is where, I've heard you say, dream sleep is where we sort out our cognitive dissonance. I mean, what That's is right. that? There's got to be, a, they, I'm assuming they're noticing that there's a return here. You want a warfighter to go fight wars. There is a balance. Like, we're only human. We're not cyborgs yet, you know? So um, if that's the case, they're seeing that there's a, a return on this. Like, let's get these guys some sleep so they can continue to, uh, to, to, to work on this. Now, before we move on real quick, can you see my camera? No. I'm blacked out. You're blacked out right now. That's okay. Um, yeah, we'll keep going, but um, I don't mind. I have to. All right, let me. Uh, I love your beautiful face, brother, but it's fine. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right now. Right now is when I look the best. It might cut me out for one second. I'm gonna try this, but I want to pause here before we keep going. Uh, it's okay. Keep going with it. Yeah, all good. So, with that, man, um, you know, I, like I was saying, I, I think so. They're they're seeing that there's they're seeing that there's a return. So, if they're if the military, and, and I, I mean, we could probably talk for a long time about how you turn that ship around, where you see a large organization that says, "Yeah, sleep is an issue." But I mean, I want to know. You know, because in the fire service, that that's kind of the thing, and it's funny. But in the military, you had to you had to fight this battle with, you know, um, the the command the command section of it. You know, these guys are the ones that have to decide. All right, let's put something on the ground that these guys can uh, that these guys can 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 sleep in because sleep is important. With us, with the fire service, um, I have to make this battle with with the firefighters, the the individual, because they have this, and maybe it's in the military too, but they have this. Uh, they have this mentality where they're like, look, man, when, you know, when I get home uh, and I got shit to do, I'm just going to pound a bang energy and I'm going to go get to work because um, I'm tougher than that. You know, I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of shit. And when I try to tell them like, hey, look, you, do you, if you love the job and you want to stay on the job a long time, why don't you take care of yourself off duty? A lot of times the response to me is if you can't handle it, quit, you know, like go work at Walmart. You know, they're hiring too. You, you get to sleep at night if you go work at Walmart or, you know, shit like that. So it's a really weird dynamic right now where, you know, I think some guys who have gotten beaten up long enough, they kind of broke and they're like, all right, fix my sleep. But 
until then they have like this really weird um like machismo that they they think they have to 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 show off like i'm tougher than that you know um where have you where have you have you had that battle with with guys and girls out there and uh, i mean right now it sounds like you're actually working with like more of a command structure but the guys and girls on the ground you know they'd have to buy into it too yeah that's the same in the seal teams um this is the great thing about me being a sleep scientist and talking about this stuff we have wonderful people out there working on this like molly eastman and rachel markwald and all of these folks that have a very loving, feminine, caring energy, but it's a little different when you have a pipe-hitting, barrel-chested frogman talking about these soft topics. I have a podium because people will listen to me, and I actually care. So we talk about human performance. I'm 42 years old. I was medically retired from the Navy with a broken back doing testosterone therapy, um, having all types of issues. And now today, I am competing in jiu-jitsu. I won bronze last year in the world championship, and I have a perfect BMI, perfect body function. And you know why? Because I take care of myself. Now, when we talk about things in those terms, we say, okay, what's your nutrition like? What's your sleep look like? What's your exercise routine look like? And by the way, maybe a little bit of mindfulness and meditation, some breathing. Uh, when I can talk about the human performance aspect of these things, people start to listen because that's really what they want to talk about. And the reason why that works is because we're appeasing to the ego because this is all ego driven. And in some way you have to, right? Ego is survival. Ego is how we navigate this physical world, right? This is how we, we maintain. And if you're in a career that's very demanding, it's not for the weak. So they're right. They're right. You have to be tough and you have to push on. But at what point do we stop faking it and saying, I'm just going to do whatever is asked of me because I am tough and I have to do this and I just have to accept it, which is true at some level and say, oh, well, actually, I need to take care of my body so I can perform optimally. Where do you draw that line and how does how do you reconcile with the ego saying that I'm taking care of myself, but the ego says you're weak? Right. And a lot of times these are echoes from our father. These are echoes from our leadership. These are people that have gone before us in the same career path saying you need to not be weak. You need to be strong. It's true. So how do we change the paradigm around sleep? How do we change the culture of bravado around sleep deprivation to identify the sleep deprivation as a weakness? Because it is. We're talking about a smaller penis size, smaller genitalia size, lower testosterone, lower libido, lower sperm count. You know, this is the essence of what it means to be a man. You want to talk about gains in the gym? You want to talk about testosterone production? You want to talk about HGH production? You want to talk about making the gains? All that happens while you're asleep. That's a fact. I used to work with John Defendus, who was uh, Mr. War Mr. USA in 1980, 80, he ran a, a, a personal training clinic. He taught me all of these things, right? Surrounding sleep and recovery. I didn't listen to him at the time. And so I understand the challenge, right? The ego is the enemy, as Ryan Holiday would teach us. So when we look at this, we need to address the ego first, and then we can start to shape the culture. If we can say, okay, look, if you get better sleep, you will do better on the job. You'll perform better. 
you will perform better with your wife in the bed. You will perform better in emotional intelligence and interpersonal communications with your wife and other colleagues at work. People will hate you less. And oh, by the way, there's that little thing called mishaps, right? All mishaps are associated to sleep deprivation and fatigue. In this line of work, and I, I'm imagining, I don't have the data for firefighters, but I imagine most of the mishaps, if they're like the Navy, are all related to fatigue because no one would, would make a mistake if they had the choice. But what happens when you're fatigued, you're a little bit behind, you're trying to play catch up, you take some shortcuts and boom, 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 something happens. And now somebody's job, somebody's life, something is, is cost because of that mistake. Nobody wanted to make that mistake. So why did it happen? Oh, I was tired. Oh, I was fatigued. Oh, I was working too long. We had a skeleton crew. I've heard it all. But the, the focal point, the fulcrum of all of this is sleep. Yeah, people mm -hmm. are still going to hate you. They're going to hate you less. <laughs> Personality flaws. It's true. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, to quote another part of, of Ryan Holiday's um, uh, side of that, that coin, it's, you know, the obstacle is the way. So I think a lot of times the, the part we're going to have trouble with with firemen is that we love to, uh, to try to act I mean, some of us really do like we have it tougher than, than some other firehouse or another station. And, uh, we want to be busy. We want to go to all the fires and some of these guys and girls out there, they may have a little bit of a hero complex and it can be good, but the, the issue is they want to get the toughest part of it. So it's almost like a badge of honor. Um, so it kind of leads into my next two questions. I guess one is, You've been around us long enough. Like you, you've you've uh, seen and talked to us, you know, in the fire service. And I'm sure other first responders. I know you got guys on your team um, that are also in, in on the job. Uh, where do you think we're going wrong as far as uh, optimizing our sleep off duty? And is there anything we can do on duty um, to to try to, I guess, blunt the effects of, of sleep deprivation? Like you know, naps are the obvious one, but is there is there other stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, let's just call it out, right? Since COVID, things have gotten really bad. We have, we're running skeleton crews, whether it's, you know, in the fire service or the other services that impact fire service, like police and, you know, nursing and whatever, everybody's strained. And so what I've seen working with firefighters across the country in the United States and in Canada and in UK is that everyone is strained. Right. And of course, some firehouses are actually busier than others. Um, what I've learned is that there, there really are some firehouses that are more hero than others. Uh, <laughs> if that's a thing. Right. But and it's the same thing with the SEAL teams. Right. You always want to be the one man kicking open the door because you're the first guy in. You get all the action and all the risk. Right. You want to be that hero. Nothing different, right? And there's something admirable about that. And I, my hats are off to our firefighters, men and women, who are brave enough to go out there. You really are heroes, right? And and we have to remember that. And so I, I think there's, you know, nothing wrong with, like, chasing, you know, uh, being a, an amazing firefighter, right? But there has to be a balance. And so if I would encourage anything for the fire service out there, is that let's try to be smart, right? Not just hard, let's be smart. And that means keeping a little bit of your ego in check 
you know, it's okay. Flex your ego with your buddies. You know, it's a chest pounding contest. I get it. Right. But let's move about smartly. What can we do to shape the language? That's where this begins. Words are magic, right? The language, the ideas, and the intentions around recovery and a healthy and smart system to maintain uh, the firehouse. Because, you know, frankly, people are relying on you, right? If there's a fire or if there is a medical emergency, we don't need you strung out. And you look like a crackhead if you've been up for two or three days. It, it, you, the body falls apart. In fact, mental health conditions start to arise with sleep deprivation. People who have no mental health issues, you start to see clinically definable mental health issues. I would argue that there's a large percentage of mental health diagnoses out there that are directly related to sleep because those things start to tease out when you become sleep deprived. You're totally fine if you're taking care of yourself, but when you start to get sleep deprived, I, I, I'm looking at fMRI images just the other day from uh, Matt Walker, who's got a sleep lab up at uh, Berkeley. Uh, Matt Walker is a world-renowned uh, sleep scientist. Uh, I think he got his PhD at Cambridge, taught psychology and sleep over at Harvard, and now he's got his own office at Berkeley. And these fMRIs, when you look at them, what he is identifying and demonstrating is the difference between two brains with good sleep and not so good sleep, right? And the not so good sleep has a clear disconnection and activity between the prefrontal cortex where we have, you know, top down thinking, this is our rational mind, this is where we're resting and, and thinking through things. And the amygdala, we have two amygdala back here, right? That is our fight and flight center, right? This is our animalistic reactive. This is probably where we stay when we're on call all the time, right? And this is this is when we, you know, come home with our spouse and we walk in the door and we're just reactive and we just bark off, right? Um, this, this center is activated more when we're sleep deprived and there's a disconnect between the prefrontal. And what we talk about in the 62 Romeo program is the, the disconnect between those two over a career. Your brain starts to change and adapt when you do this lifestyle and you have this this type of uh, situation for a long period of time, and it actually takes a lot of work to get back to prefrontal engagement, right? And we can do that through relaxation techniques, but if we're able to get good sleep, which is not necessarily the easiest thing, that's why we're trying to help people, um, then you can maintain a healthy brain-body balance, right? So. These are just things that I like to bring up because um, there are long-term consequences to the choices that we're making now. Yeah, um, and you know, have you ever met? Have you ever met Dr. Walker? Did you ever get a chance to meet him or talk with him? No, I've been man-stalking him for years, but he's so popular that he, you know, and I, I know he's out. He's out your way, so uh, I didn't know. Um, well, and I'm a UCSD grad, so I tried to hit him up at UC Berkeley on my. You see network email and no response. So one of one of uh, my friends, um, she's a battalion chief for Raleigh, North Carolina. She's mm -hmm. she's doing a when you when you go to uh, when you want to get your executive fire officer done, you have to go to um, Emmitsburg, Maryland, and do your executive fire officer there. So it's the only place in the country. It's the National uh, Fire Academy. And so any, anywhere you live, you have to go up there to your EFO and it's, um, it's over the course of a few years, but you have to go in semesters. 
Um, They make you write like a thesis paper. Her thesis paper is on how heart rate variability uh, will affect your mental resiliency, particularly when it comes to being able to be resilient against PTSD. And um, she's huge on sleep, obviously, you know, and she actually got to uh, interview Dr. Walker. He gave her some of his time. Um, Pretty cool. And one of the things that she, she wrote a book recently, and one of the things that she mentions in her book is exactly what you were touching on. And I know Dr. Walker has mentioned this, but there is no mental health illness where sleep is not a contributing factor. That's There's correct. nothing in the DSM, the whole damn thing. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those issues where, you know, the fire service is getting busier. And it's also noted that our mental health issues are rising as well. This is never, the fire service has never been this busy in the, in the history of the fire service that it's existed. And, uh, obviously that means running after midnight. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the problem. Um, so I agree with you. And I think that having that, uh, having that conversation is good and then actions to, to do it. So with that, like when we get off duty, uh, sometimes, I mean, like you said, like some stations are a little different, right? So sometimes you get some stations where you can get a few hours of sleep, but, um, this is, this is always the, the, the point of conversation. When we come home, if we've had bad sleep or no sleep, uh, what should we be doing the day, the day we get off work? Normally, uh, you know, we work morning to morning. So we'll go in at 0730. We get off at 0730 the next day. When we come home, if you're coming home, what's the best thing to do to, uh, to recover? Mm. This is a very difficult topic because we know that shift work is a probable carcinogen. The number one for males is testicular cancer. The number one for females is breast cancer. Carcinogen is, is a cancer causing factor. Um, it's not good, right? This career choice can potentially cost you your life. Now, I'm not dissuading people from this career choice. It is extremely honorable, right? So what can we do? Well, what we teach in the 62 Romeo program is that the most important thing is consistency of sleep, right? And there's a lot that we teach in 62 Romeo. It's a six-week program. We meet for an hour and 15 minutes uh, once a week for six weeks. It's eight weeks total, start to finish. We go over a lot. I mean, I I talked for an hour and 20 minutes straight last night on one of our classes and I went over because there's just so much information to relay. But if I were to relay something simple to you right now uh, for our audience, I would say that consistency is the most important. And the response that you're going to give me is I can't have consistency because I'm on a 48 hour watch and then I'm back home for 48 hours or whatever your schedule. And the challenge is all the schedules are different, right? But we've, we've tried to crack that shell. So what I would say is, um, this is a little bit complex, right? But we have to do an analysis of, of what the call volume looks like while we're at work and what our life looks like at home. And if we want to get the best sleep of our lives, which could very well mean the difference in sanity or insanity, um, career or, you know, a, a beautiful career or a career full of mishaps, right? Um, physical health or physical ailments that pop up. If we're able to align our schedules at work at home, right? And find segments of time 
that we can get rest, it doesn't have to be eight hours. Let me repeat that again. We don't have to have an eight hour sleep period. If we look at polyphasic sleeping and all of the science behind that, a lot of people will say, oh, there's not enough science with polyphasic sleeping. It's not as good as a full eight hour sleep period. That's, we're not even talking about that. We're not talking about a perfect night of sleep because that is not a reality for firefighters. We're talking about the difference in absolute sleep deprivation and the health consequences, physical and mental, or a possible option that can get us 80 or 90%. So yes, a perfect night's sleep, eight hours or six hours of sleep with a 90 minute siesta, right? Biphasic sleeping. Yeah, sure, that's optimal, right? But what do we do for firefighters? Well, we need to figure out how to segment our sleep on a consistent basis, day in and day out, so that it works on the job and at home. So for example, if there's a lull period that we can consistently uh, predict at the firehouse, we need to capitalize on that. And this takes education of leadership too, because they're not necessarily gonna let you do this at every firehouse. I've, I've seen people get written up for taking a nap. That is a problem, right? So this is how we start to shape the cultures through education. But getting back to the plan, if we have a 90 minute segment, four hours would be beautiful. But even just a 90 minute segment where we know that call volume is likely to be lower, we can do an analysis on call volume throughout the year, then that is the window that we need to go get sleep. Now, if let's say, for example, we did uh, 8 p.m. to midnight, if we're able to get a little bit of sleep at that point in time, that's kind of nighttime, uh, but we can maybe get a good four, four and a half hours of sleep before the uptick of calls at midnight to two or whatever. If we're able to achieve that, it's totally within reason to capture that sleep period and then do another 20, 30 minute nap at 10 a.m. after the shift change and then or whatever the schedule is for you. And then again at maybe 2 p.m., another 20, 30 minute nap. And if we're able to get consistency within that, which means you got to do it at home, too, which a lot of times that's the biggest problem. Guys are like, yeah, I can do that at work. But then I go home, my wife and kids are boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, I love them and I want to, you know, be fully present for them. So there's a little bit of discipline involved here, but the difference can be life changing. The difference can mean your marriage, can mean your promotion, can mean reduction of mishaps, can mean longevity of your career. And, and this stuff doesn't happen overnight. That's the frustrating point is you set a schedule and you stick to it and you don't see it after one week. Well, guess what? You need to do it for longer than that. You need to do it for three to four weeks. We, we know that that's kind of the threshold. If we read Atomic Habits or The Power Habits or any book on habits, like this is the threshold that once we cross over doing something for a period of time, the basal ganglia area of our brain will, will start to build that into an autopilot habit, right? And what does that mean? That means that if the brain is recognizing it as a habit, the entire you know neurological system and your hormonal system will start to respond to that. Once that starts to respond, you're building, you know, your circadian rhythm with that. Then you start to see the positive impacts in your sleep measurements. We do this all the time, right? If you want to measure heart rate variability, if you want to measure your uh, do a blood panel and look at what your hormones are looking like, do this stuff, measure this stuff, prove me wrong. Because if you do these things with polyphasic sleeping, you're much more likely to have a successful recovery on a, on a consistent basis than just winging it right? Absolute insomnia, and then just trying to crash and bank your sleep when you get home. That doesn't work. It does not work. It, it's a really crappy short-term fix. And that's what we do.
you know, I, I would say that's that's the majority. Um, I would say it's it, honestly, man, it's either feast or famine. What what guys do is they, they either work a second job. A lot of guys, like especially in South Florida, they'll do like they run an AC business or they run a pool business on the side because those two those two are really like big businesses down here. So you could um, you could get off work and you're either going straight to to do your side job for mm-hmm. you know ten hours, or they're coming home and they're crashing for like three or four hours and. Um, you know, I, I, I was, I'm always curious about that, you know, physiologically, is it better to try to, you know, if you're going to get consistency, you know, is it better to just try to work through the day and find a nap? Um, or is it better to just come home and crash? And you're kind of saying, find a time at the firehouse if possible. And I get, you know, listen, man, there, there are some, there are some firehouses around me that just, uh, I'm, I'm not kidding. It's 24 hours of work, you know, yeah. and they're not sleeping at all. Um, they'll find like 15 or 20 minutes here or there, you know, even at night and it's, it's hard, but you're saying if you can find time, um, to get a, a segment set aside during your shift where you could get sleep and try to get that same segment at home, if you can match those two things up, that's, that's the optimal for recovery, just creating that consistency. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Um, I get it. And people who are listening are probably going to say, bro, that's not going to work for me. Right. So optimally, I am giving you a solution that could potentially work and maintain great sleep health and longevity of life and career and mental health and all this stuff, right? But the reality is, even if we are disciplined and we plan this perfectly, it's not always going to work. So if we reference Dr. Allison Brager, who is a major in the U.S. Army, I believe she is stationed down in Florida right now helping out with the Green Beret Selection uh, Group. She is yeah. basically the go-to person for sleep in the Army. Yeah. She's one of our flag carriers. Um, and she also helps a lot of firefighters through O2X and stuff like that. But she's a dear friend and a colleague. And what she would say to the U.S. Army is tactical napping, right? There's lots of literature on this. And she's basically the one that's published all of it. Uh, tactical napping. So, right? So if duty calls, which in the Army... You know, you're sitting on the tarmac for two days waiting on a flight with pallets full of weapons and st- you can't leave. You're stuck there. It's, it's a nightmare sometimes, the op tempo, right? So what she's saying is get sleep when you can so that we can try to keep our tanks, our fuel tanks or our battery tanks on full so that when duty calls, we are ready for that, right? So if... We absolutely, and I don't want people to say, oh, well, I'm just going to do option two because I'm lazy and I'm not disciplined enough to figure out a sleep plan for myself, or I'm egotistical and I don't want to accept that I need sleep, things like that, right? So let's try for option one, but option two being what what Allison is saying is let's do tactical napping when we can, right? Learn the techniques, the relaxation techniques, light, sound, and temperature, use you know, a face mask and earplugs, block out the world, get 20 minutes nap, boom, get some recovery, and try to maintain a level of readiness, right? Not just, I've been in the gym the last six months and I'm ready, but readiness, meaning alert and ready to respond, that means having adequate sleep, and if we can pop in some tactical naps, that can be helpful. So what I just said is consistency is the most important thing, and now I'm saying if you can't get consistency, then try to get tactical naps or, 
you know, a rest period. A 90-minute rest period is one entire sleep cycle. You go into deep sleep and REM sleep. 90 minutes is a sleep cycle. If you have enough time for that, you can try to accomplish that. Give yourself a little buffer before and after. Go through the process. Build, build a ritual of, okay, I'm going to get comfortable. I'm going to get in a cool spot like AC. I'm going to get in a dark spot, a quiet spot. And, and most of all, I'm going to do an additional layer of masking my eyes, putting in earplugs. If I've got a white noise machine on my phone, boom, pop it in. Get that rest when you can so that you're ready when life calls upon you. Uh, and that can also impact um, your long-term health. That can improve things. Um, so I'm saying that would be better than just straight up sleep depriving and drinking monsters all day, right? Let's bang yeah. it out like that. And by the way, bang and, and all these monster drinks have a tremendous amount of, of things that impact heart function, right? Uh, very, not good for your heart at all. We got to stop with the energy drinks. Yeah. Um, I was fully dependent on energy drinks for a while. And when, and when I was at the, the busiest unit, I was on in in my career so far and uh, I was trying to you know be functional the day after and work my second job and then it was at the time I was also starting this business there was like this really horrible cycle I would get into a ton of caffeine stay up all day have trouble sleeping at night because I was just overloaded on caffeine and then I would I was just you know going to work and getting the shit kicked out of me so like every day I was just getting bad sleep it was a very bad cycle um and if you see a picture of me just before I got moved to that unit and then like five years in, I was like between like 22 years old and 27 years old. I aged like easily 10 years. Like there's guys um, my age that were on the department the same amount of time and it doesn't even look close. It's very interesting, but you were, you hit the nail on the head when you're like, you look, you look like a, uh, a meth head when you're, you know, you're just staying up like that. So with supplementation, I love talking about this. Now, obviously sure. I run a CBD company. So in, in the, in the realm of supplementation, I fully understand the role, but I'm actually, ironically, um, I'm against supplementation for sleep, which is really funny. Um, but I know you and I've, have, uh, you, you had mentioned this before. I know a lot of people look at it and, uh, you know, a buddy of mine was, was coming up to me and talking to me and saying, um, yeah, this is the stuff I'm taking for sleep. And I swear to God, it looks like a CVS receipt. I mean, it's like a mile long of just random, random shit. I'm like, dude, stop all of this. Like, this is crazy. And that, you know, if, if I'm reading correctly, you know, from all these sleep experts and I have followed Dr. Allison Brager. Um, if you guys don't follow her on Instagram, uh, she's got a great, uh, page doc jock ZZZ. Um, that's her Instagram handle, uh, but she does a lot of work with the fire service as well. So, um, supplementation, talk to me about it's, it's not all bad or it's all bad or what's, what's, what's the deal here? Like where, where does it, where does it fall into your scope and also in the 62 Romeo program? So uh, I'll speak on 62 Romeo first that, you know, as an organization, we do not promote, uh, sleep supplementation. And the reason why is because uh, we want people to find their ability to sleep through their behaviors and actions and thoughts um, rather than turning to a supplement as like a, a quick fix or like something that they need. Like a crutch. Like a crutch. Um, personally, I would say that supplementation, you know, 
can be a really good thing. Here's the challenge, right? Um, the, you know, people develop a psychological connection with taking something and getting a result, right? I got to get my blank in order to sleep. And what I've seen is that it's the same with alcohol. It's the same with sleeping pills. It's the same with, um, you know, I used to drink NyQuil to go to sleep, admittedly, right, before I knew anything. Um, it's the same with, um, you know, Tylenol PM. It's the same with uh, even things like chamomile tea or CBD or yeah. you just name it, put in the blank. Um, in fact, in studies that are published by these uh, pharmaceutical companies that are uh, pill pushing, right, they are saying that the placebo effect is the same, right? There, there's a 15% difference in, you know, in general, just speaking in broad terms, in a sleeping pill versus a sugar pill. Now, I realize that there's a, there's a delta there, right? But um, when you feel a drug interacting with your body, it has a stronger psychological connection to something working, but the connection is all psychological. In fact, most of going to sleep is psychological, right? So how do we get away from using that trigger, right? Whether it's a sugar, I'm not kidding, a sugar pill. That's how they do placebo. A sugar yeah. pill is helping them go to sleep. It sounds silly. But literally, this is the space we're in. We have to be honest with ourselves, right? What is happening? So if we're able to replace, that's the key. You know, when you tell somebody, hey, you can't take X, Y, Z, they're like, well, what am I going to do then, right? So if we're able to replace the pill, the mechanism that they psychologically associate with sleep onset, replace that with a healthy behavioral action, right? Breathing techniques, our bedtime routine. We teach a one hour wind down routine. Put away the cell phone, put away the emails, put away the social media, Put turn off the TV, make, get the mood right in the room because we're building our sleep dojo. This is our, our mastery room. This is where we're going to get the recovery. Think of like, you know, ancient uh, martial artists training and practicing. Our sleep dojo is where we get, we spend a third of our life recovering. This is where we need to have everything dialed in. So if we set the stage in our wind down period before bed in a normal sleep period, especially like when we come home, right? Then that can aid us in the triggering process into sleep. Uh, sometimes we call these social cues. Uh, that can also be like what happens with your family when you eat dinner. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, but we do need something to replace that trigger and that mechanism because sometimes people need something to hold on to to say, this is how I'm going to get to sleep tonight. That's okay. Eventually, hopefully, we can pull away from that dependence for anything at all needed to go to sleep. And that requires confidence, right? Confidence in the belief that you can sleep enough that you need to, right? Uh, but in the short term, you know, a lot of times what I recommend is go research Wim Hof. Uh, Wim Hof can be a little bit gnarly and like difficult for people. So sometimes yeah. uh, it's easier to start with some beginner breathing exercises. Um, I, last year I recorded some stuff on um, Insight Timer. You can search me up, Rob Sweetman. Uh, those are all free. Uh, you can start with some of those exercises. I really need to record some new ones for 2024 because 
I do a ton of breath work. In 62 Romeo, we do breath work. In Sleep Genius Private Coaching, we do breath work. I've led, you know, first responder conference last year. I led an entire crowd of people through breath work. Um, this stuff can have a profound effect on not just your mental state, but your mind-body connection and your ability to get into a parasympathetic nervous system state before you go into sleep. Critical stuff we're talking about. There's a lot to unpack there. That's why people need to go to the 60 Romeo program. Become a sleep ambassador. Learn all of the things that we teach in 60 Romeo. 62 Romeo, by the way, we have the Sleep 101 course. Uh, we offer a lot of help for firefighters and first responders as well as veterans. But that is now at 62Romeo.com. People can sign up for the course. And then once you get through 62 Romeo Sleep 101 course, we are about to release Sleep 201 course. Because we've been doing this for a couple of years. Nice. and. We've changed a lot of lives, hundreds of lives, but people are coming back saying, okay, this is awesome. What's next? I want more. I want to improve my life more. So Sleep 201, just hold on to your seats because it's going to be great. <laughs> I'm going to put the links for this stuff in the in the show notes too so people have some some access to this. So you know, if you're listening and, and maybe you're driving or you're running or something, um, when it's done, don't worry. Like You can just go into the description. And I'm going to put in all the people we're talking about as well as uh, the references for this. So you'll get the uh, link for um, 62 Romeo's program as well. Excellent. Um, yeah, man, absolutely. Now, with with that, you know, you had mentioned, and to linger on the CBD side of it, you know, I'm uh, obsessed with CBD research. I know I've sent you stuff. Um, you know, reading a lot of this, it, it a lot of the issue with the fire service and maybe you can talk about how 62 Romeo and some of the things that you've done uh, can help with it. But a lot of the issue with the fire service is not falling asleep. Some guys do have trouble falling asleep. It's staying asleep. That waking up in the middle of the night issue. And I know that this is a very complex thing. Like people wake up in the middle of the night and can't fall back asleep for a lot of reasons. It can be what time you ate. It can be, you know, your, 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 you know what the glucose is doing. It's the temperature in the room. It can be... Um, your circadian rhythm's fucked up. Like we run calls at two or three o'clock in the morning very often. And, um, you know, what, when people take CBD, a lot of times when they're talking to me, they're like, look, man, I don't have a problem falling asleep, but I need to stay asleep. And, uh, my room is cold and the TV is off an hour before bed and I'm doing all the right stuff. But when I go to sleep, I can't, my body physically wants to wake up because that's the time I normally run calls. Yep. So I use CBD and it stops that issue. Now, without giving away the program, because I, if people want, if you want the, uh, the the secret sauce, you know they got to buy in. But you know what 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 have you seen if if with firefighters that uh, that issue is? Is it typically the circadian rhythm screwed up? Is there other stuff that we're doing that's kind of jacking us up so that we we are waking up in the middle of the night? Yeah, uh, before. I answer that question. Um, all this information is free, man. Like the 62 Romeo program, I will teach you everything I know. We just don't have enough time to go over the, the volumes of material. I try to keep it concise in the program. But the reason yeah. why someone will go to the program is not because I'm trying to you know, hide this, this information and sell it. The reason they go through the 60 Romeo program is because we facilitate an entire process, right? That it's difficult to do it on your own, right? So there's a tremendous amount of value that people are getting out of the program. So yeah, sure, there's information. Yeah, there's instruction. But when we get together as a team and we hold ourselves accountable and we have goals like step one, step two, step three, and we walk through this process, it's a method, right? What is a method? It is a proven technique 
that gets a duplicatable result across the board, right? That's what we're doing. So people would join not because they can't get the information out there. And I encourage people to like and follow and all my social media. I'm dropping content all the time, these little tidbits yeah. of sleep information. But when you're able to go through the program, you develop a habit together and everybody holds each other accountable and you hit those goals. It's kind of like personal training. Everybody knows how to go to the gym. Everybody knows how to pay for a gym membership, but sometimes when you have a personal trainer, they can help guide you to hitting those goals and hold you accountable. So that's kind of the space we live in, uh, but you're absolutely right. And I would say that, John, I'll support you in a CBD application for reducing um, the sensitivity threshold for nighttime awakenings. Um, I will support that. I think that that is a great place to, uh, for this product. Right. If we are so, there's a number of different things um, leading up to the the uh, phenomenon that you're describing. Um, yes, of course. If you're on call, it's the same with uh, guys on ships and the one MC is always going off. If you're on call with in in the fire service and you're getting calls in the what's middle a, of the night, what's a one MC? What is that? Uh, that is the the radio system on a ship. Oh, so it's the same shit. That's like exactly same what we're doing. shit. Yep. And it goes off all the time. They, you know, Naval Postgraduate School, the stuff I talked to before, they, they've helped shape that and have, you know, protected quiet times. That's way different than in the past, right? But anyway, so, yeah, of course, if you have calls going on all night, you have developed a sensitivity to responding to those calls. Now, when the calls turn off, does that mean that your brain and your reactivity to the calls turns off? No. You've been habitualized to this, right? So you have a lower sensitivity threshold you have a activated amygdala function and guess what your brain is always processing auditory even if you're asleep this is one of the things that we go over in case studies in 62 Romeo right so yes um, CBD could help with that the the better solution would be to get to a place where you don't have that type of lifestyle and you're coming home and not dealing with that um, but if this so. is the, if this is the career choice, this might be a good fix uh, to help people get uh, lower their sensitivity threshold or increase their their buffer ability so that they're not waking up all the time when there is no call. Um, what we notice with hyperactive amygdala function in uh, military and first response is that they will wake up to the slightest sound or the slightest thing that could be danger or you know that that's how our brain is processing it but in reality it's a, a fake you know wake up for a call that doesn't exist right you're getting out you're putting on your clothes like you're going on a, a fire call and you're at home right so I get it right uh, that happens and meanwhile the spouse is what fast asleep right because they don't have that that same um, habitual uh, encoding in the brain right you've been wired that way so some of the things that we can do to help out with that are trying to get into a truly uh, relaxed state, a parasympathetic nervous system state is how we describe the autonomic nervous system when we're relaxed, before entering into the hypnagogic state of sleep. Now I'm throwing out a bunch of big words, but basically we need to be relaxed before we slip into sleep. Because if we're not, we could have increased noradrenaline levels, we could have more nighttime awakenings, we could have, um, you know, just lighter sleep, right? And we want that good deep sleep. Um, outside of that, 
right? Uh, and, and we teach these techniques. You can look at you know relaxation techniques online for free with Insight Timer, YouTube, whatever. Uh, but we teach that in the 62 Romeo program. So if we're able to achieve a greater relaxation during sleep, okay, uh, over time that should alleviate the problem. But if we're still having problems, some other techniques to help out with that are blocking the senses to that sensitivity, right? Because something is waking us up. Uh, in, in some cases, it's internal and it's a night terror. Uh, but in most situations, it is a response to, you know, a, an auditory signal in the sleep environment, the sleep dojo, while we're asleep. You have that sensitivity threshold, it gets triggered, you wake up, right? So simply putting in earplugs, playing white noise, things like this. People ask, like, how does white noise work? It, doesn't it keep you up? Actually, if it's smooth and melodic, no matter what it is, it buffers out all the noise pollution. And we're still processing that noise pollution, and it can still wake us up. Um, so those are a couple of tips. I, I do support you, John. If um, we're having, it would be better to take a little bit of CBD and sleep through the night than have constant nighttime awakenings and deal with the symptoms of insomnia. Short, short yeah. of just a career change. You know what I mean? And also, you know, I like to tell people. Um, so I, I, I recently got promoted, and I, I worked. I no longer in the firehouse for the for a short term, but I'm congratulations. In the office, I've been there for. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's good, man. It's a good promotion, but the I do not really like the work because obviously I still want to be on a truck. But yeah, um, you know the uh, the thing that I noticed I've been on the in the office for um, since May of last year. So you know you're talking several months of regular sleep schedule, and I've been really good about creating a habit of going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time. I feel Great. amazing, and. That's such a huge difference from what yeah. I was doing for the last 14 years of my career. Yeah. Like, man, this is wildly different in my daytime feeling. I mean, like, I was the type of person drinking 800 to 900 milligrams of caffeine a day. Yep. And I know there's a lot of people out there that be like, dude, I hit that before lunch, you know, but <laughs> yeah. there's, don't do that. It's horrible. But I completely detox. I actually quit caffeine, cold turkey, which I don't recommend doing. Um, uh, I reading after I should have weaned off, but I like to just kind of go extreme on things sometimes yeah. and see what happens. Um, but when I went, when I went back to drinking caffeine, I just drink one cup in the morning because I like it, you know? And, and, uh, so if I could advocate for, um, correcting your sleep, I, I, a million times over, I would say so. Had I, had I known that, um, 62 Romeo was an option, even when I was, uh, on shift, like this would have been something that I would have chased down, man, because I just freaking needed it. Um, and I mean, even still, you know, like I don't have, uh, I don't feel like I'm getting an optimal night's sleep just in general. I mean, I'm probably doing a lot of things wrong. Um, you know, I, I, I break a lot of the rules. I don't, I, I freaking have a TV in the bedroom. I look at my phone way too late, most likely, you know, and there's, there's a lot of this other stuff. I do try to keep it cold, keep white noise on, but you know, um, it, the, the whole thing with sleep hacks, I mean, are there any real, like, I don't like that term, I guess, but you know, it's, it's because it seems like it's, it's a lifestyle change. You know, you're, 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 you're committing to a way of doing things, you know, like creating that sleep dojo, like you mentioned. But, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, will, will watch, you know, kind of like the Andrew Huberman's and the, you know, the, the other people on, uh, on Instagram, giving like really quick clips about how to how to do like hacks like that. And I actually, I found some of them to be very, very helpful. 
is there anything out there that you've seen that's like kind of dangerous where you're like dude don't do that you know stay away from that like the sleep hacks is there anything bad out dangerous there for the most part are you kind of proponent dangerous uh the only one that i'm aware of that's dangerous is mouth taping when you have obstructive sleep apnea uh, because you already have some issues breathing and that that could be dangerous um, if you have obstructive sleep apnea you should follow your doctor's recommendations most likely that's going to be uh, a cpap but we actually can improve the sleep apnea symptoms with breathing exercises a little bit of weight loss. Sometimes people have obstructive sleep apnea and they have a low BMI. That's fine. But the breathing exercises, in fact, there's a book called um, by James Nestor, Breathe, and it talks about all of these things improving obstructive sleep apnea, but also nostril breathing. And that's where the mouth taping comes from. But so I would say in terms of risky stuff out there, that's the only one um, I would say that, sure, there's sleep hacks um, because when we break down all of the uh, things that we should be doing, in our, like in a, in a good behavioral analysis of, of uh, how we get to good sleep, um, we, can, we can identify individual things that can be considered sleep hacks, right? So that would be, you know, light, sound, and temperature. Your sleep dojo should be dark, quiet, and cool, right? That can be a hack. If it's difficult to achieve that, you can put on a face mask and earplugs. You can wear things like deep sleepwear. I'll give a shout out to my buddies in uh, Syracuse, New York, that sell sleep clothing, deep sleepwear, D-E-P, sleepwear. Um, they offer a good solution to getting the heat off of your body, wicking the moisture away from your body. Um, so these, these are all sleep hacks, right? Um, if you get into supplementation, um, what we recommend is that you figure out how to establish the good behavioral habits. And once you have alleviated yourself from this uh, psychological mechanism of taking something in order to go to sleep, like putting the control back into your hands, I'm talking about the 62 Romeo sleep program, right? Then later in the latter sessions, we actually say, okay, you quit your sleeping pills. You quit all your supplements. I've showed you that you can get good sleep all on your end. Okay, now let's try some ashwagandha, let's try some chamomile tea, and we start to add in a couple of those things. So there are some sleep supplements out there. I'm coming up, uh, I'm releasing a sleep supplement, USDA Organic Certified Sleep Genius Sleep Supplement, and it will have ashwagandha, reishi mushroom, and some of the, the things that come from the earth that we know to be good sleep, sleep support. I would say nothing replaces good sleep behavior, but uh, things like this that are very low impact, very low risk, um, are could be good things to sort of sleep hack your way into better sleep. Um, if we combine all of these little sleep hacks into one uh, program, it would look like the 62 Romeo. Yeah. So, and that's that's the thing is like you know I, I think people want the shortcut. Uh, so that that to me like that's the dangerous part of anything when they say hack. I'm like. Looked at, yeah, there's a hack like cutting tomatoes a little bit faster. That's a hack. Like, you know, when yeah. we're talking about like trying to um, correct your shit, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to do the shortcut. I mean, that's just right. not how it is. And I was going to ask you, like, where the hell did the sleep tape thing come from? Because I mean, like a lot of the stuff we're doing, you know, that I'm sure you're doing in the 62 Romeo is, is uh, like based on what the human body has evolved over time to do. Mm. You don't want like, um, at night and you don't want your screens in front of you because our eyes have light information and you know we're we're screwing up our melatonin cortisol balance at night you know and, and right. because 
the sun goes down, you know, so it, there's, there's all of that, um, natural physiological stuff. Um, and then we kind of come in and, and, uh, uh, come up with mouth taping. I'm like, when did our ancestors ever have to tape their mouth to go to bed? You know, like, what does that come from? That that's the problem is that our ancestors didn't have to tape their mouth, but we have a society of mouth breathers, unfortunately. Um, it, it literally, when you think of mouth breathers, it's, it's a disgusting, like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to insult anyone, but a lot of people breathe through their mouth because they don't know how to breathe through their nose and breathing through your nose has a tremendous, I'm just going to point out James Nestor's book, breathe, read it. Then you'll understand all the science behind it. But me personally, uh, breathing through the nose in athletics and in running and jiu-jitsu has been a game changer. Uh, it's been a big evolution for me in the last couple of years. I was unaware, right? But when we mouth breathe, um, we're not engaging different parts of the breathing mechanism that regulate our heart rate, right? As well as um, when we rely on mouth breathing, uh, it can cause, it's, it's a higher likelihood of obstructions during sleep. And in fact, uh, we may not be able to get the same performance out of mouth breathing because of um, smaller mandible uh, features and weaker jaw muscles because the way that we eat these days. So we're, we're beginning to evolve with smaller jaws and weaker jaws and weaker breathing muscles. So what James Nestor is saying in his book, who admittedly is the uh, founder of this whole movement with mouth taping, is that, hey, you need to stop mouth breathing during the day and at night. And in fact, if you can stop mouth breathing at nighttime, there's some significant impacts on your sleep. So one of the ways, an extreme way to do that is to tape up your mouth. So after, if I work with a private client, I don't do this in the 60 Romeo program because there's too many people to monitor. But if I work with a private client, which I do uh, offer, right? I do private coaching if somebody's interested in that and it's a good fit. If they, if we've identified that, um, you know, mouth taping could be a good resource for them and there's no risk of obstructive sleep apnea or uh, breathing related issues, then when we mouth tape at nighttime, uh, we'll monitor uh, how that impacts the person. And the benefits can be extremely good, right? You just have to understand like your own breathing and don't do anything stupid, right? Don't tape yourself, uh, your mouth closed if you can't breathe through your nose, I mean, obviously. Um, yeah. So that's, that's where the mouth taping comes from. It is very effective. Do I mouth tape? No, I just breathe through my nose and I've trained myself to breathe through my nose when I sleep. And sometimes if I wake up and transition to mouth breathing, I notice a complete change in my body and I switch back to, to uh, nostril breathing and it really is relaxing. I, I'm able to maintain a lower, more consistent heart rate in extreme activities like jujitsu and, and sports um, through nostril breathing, right? If I'm doing mouth breathing, my heart rate can go through the roof and it's really bizarre how all this works, but it does work. That's a struggle for me um, when I'm doing very fit, very intense um, workouts. Like if I'm, <laughs> uh, yesterday I'm looking down at my, I wear like a Fitbit and I'm looking at my heart, it's like 190. And I'm like, uh, I'm breathing through my, I'm like tr like physically trying to, to my nose. And I'm just like, it feels like I'm suffocating myself. I'm like, dude, I'm, and I know I'm, tr I'm trying, I'm freaking trying to, to just stay breathing through my nose. And it's like, uh, it's, it's tough. Um, so I've, I've seen that now. I 
wondered if I was mouth breathing because my mouth gets very dry sometimes at night. Like I'll leave water by my bed all the time. So sometimes if I don't drink my, my freaking cutoff, like I have to drink at least a gallon of water during the day, or I'm going to be really, really thirsty at night. That's just me. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I don't, I will wake up in the middle of the night. Like my mouth is a desert. I was always wondering if I maybe have been uh, mouth breathing, but most likely that is the, uh, sure. That's a lot of, when you're saying our jaws are getting smaller, and our breathing passages are changing. I'm just imagining humans turning into the uh, the uh, human equivalent of a French bulldog. You know, just like over time, <laughs> we're just getting like our breathing is all fucked up. And we can't we can't uh, we can't breathe right. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, we could talk all day about this stuff. I, uh, I I will definitely point everybody over to the 62 Romeo program. I took notes on all this stuff. I wanted to ask you some completely random questions, totally off topic, uh, because I I find your story very interesting and um you know i think a lot of people uh in the fire service kind of have very different backgrounds too before they get going and so um is it true that you are selling hot dogs before you got into the navy that's that's a real thing that is a rumor um (laughs) but it's true i i had a hot dog selling business so here's the story uh, and then I, I need to jump off and I've got to go pick up my son. So yep. back in the day, um, I was an insurance uh, agent and I we had a brokerage. We did a ton of business. We crushed it. That was my first major success in entrepreneurship. And it was all thanks to my cousin, AJ. And then brutally, um, he was killed in a car accident and I was really oh, just... Man lost in life. Yeah. That was my first big, uh, death that just shredded me. Um, so anyways, I, uh, I actually turned to a lot of alcohol and I started into the bar business and I did, ended up doing promotions and I found myself, um, not really realizing my entrepreneurial, uh, capacity or, or my talent. And, uh, so I'm working the door at a place called Blue Martini, and I had a, uh, a the owner was his name was Omar, and Omar's still doing great down there in, in Greenville, South Carolina. Love Omar, and I made a bet with him and Frank, the other owner, outside of the front of Blue Martini, because you know I I believed that we should be more like Atlanta and have food outside of the bar when all these people came outside and they were hungry. And Omar's response was, it'll never work, the city will never approve it. So he was actually right. I went to the city, I started a business, I asked permission to open up at nighttime, and they said no. So what did I do? I opened up a business on Main Street selling hot dogs, just like you'd think, sabrettes like New York City. And then I stayed open at night anyways. And I did whatever I wanted, right? <laughs> so we had five locations in our uh, in our heyday uh, at different bars and uh, locations outside of uh, the when people were hungry at nighttime. And I quit the bar business and went into that. And ultimately, I got bored with it, bored with selling hot dogs, and uh, decided that I wanted to join the SEAL teams. So that was the transition. So. I would have checked it have been a fly on the wall when they were uh, when you were trying to tell your uh, 
any of the seal instructors that used to sell hot dogs, they probably they they didn't care. They never heard that story. They didn't listen. Um, <laughs> they didn't fucking. They, they didn't ask about your No, <laughs> they didn't care. It was just a pain train. And uh, yeah. but yeah, hum, humble beginnings. Um, we we had a uh, a fire hot dog eating contest. Uh, and by the way, I named that business AJ's in memory of my cousin. So AJ's fire fire hot dog eating contest. It was something like that. And we used to get these poor son of a guns leaving their their job downtown and walking to go find lunch. We would convince them to eat this hot dog and get a Polaroid picture and put it on the front of the hot dog cart. <laughs> of course, like you know, one minute of pain for an eternity of glory with your face yeah. downtown Main Street. And we would put the hottest habanero paste you've ever seen on there, and we would mess people up. I am a hundred percent sure they went back to work and had to go home. Um, oh shit! But we had—I mean, I can't remember how many. I've got photos and stuff, but we had—you know—the entire hot dog cart lined, covered in these photos, Polaroids of people who, I guess, just had nothing better to do than destroy their stomach that day. I love it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Rob, it's awesome having you on here. We'll end there. I'll let you uh, go run and do your thing. Um, I'm putting all your social media pages on here. Is that the best way for people to reach out and uh, follow you is on your Instagram? Yeah, so they can go to Instagram. I have a pretty nice TikTok following. Uh, everything's under the Sleep Genius. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, and I do uh, LinkedIn. Happy to do business uh, agreements on LinkedIn. And then for firefighters and first responders and veterans, go to 62romeo.org because I'm, I'm, we're still changing it a little bit. But um, that's where they find a lot of the resources for scholarships and hooking people up. Uh, we try to get people through at little or no cost. And then for the, the main page that we just launched in January that hosts all of the 62 Romeo sleep course is 62romeo.com. Um, and all of those are linked in together and, and you can navigate it pretty easily. Uh, but now the 62 Romeo program is at its next level of professionalism. It's a master class online with a ton of resources. It's way better than last year. And we're working on getting accredited uh, so that we can get uh, different oh, funding yeah, through departments and stuff. So That's beautiful, man. All that stuff, guys, is in the show notes. If any one of those um, sounded like something that you, you're going to dig into, please just scroll down there and click it. And uh uh, give Rob a follow and, and make sure you're um, reading up on all the information so that we can optimize our sleep, increase our longevity on the job and have longer lives after retirement and, and have better home lives, honestly, you know, just, just to be, uh, just to be better people and, and to, um, and to take care of ourselves. So, you know, you heard it from a, uh, from a seal. It's not, uh, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not being a wuss if you're going home and taking care of yourself. Right. So mm -hmm. when John, the CBD guy says it's not as much, it doesn't have as much weight, but, uh, I appreciate you, man. And thank you so much for being on here with me and everything that you're doing for us. Mm. Anytime, John. Hoo ya. All right. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye.